Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 220. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, we're talking about one of my favorite things. That's right, we're talking about trivia. And specifically, bar trivia. Even more specifically, Last Call Trivia and its CEO, Adam Johnston. Now, Last Call Trivia isn't in Denver currently, but talking to Adam was an absolute delight. And I would love to try out their trivia sometime, so hopefully they make their way to Denver. I'll give it a shot. Unfortunately, I don't get to play trivia that much anymore. I used to do it all the time. And as I referenced in this episode, I dedicated a whole month of shows to one of their competitors, Geeks Who Drink. That was in the run-up to Geek Bowl, I think, like four years ago. Now, that was before I had these damn wiener kids that aren't yet old enough to stay on their own at night, and I don't particularly have interest in once a week paying someone $80 so I can go out, play pub quiz, and they can sit on my couch while my kids sleep and watch my Netflix. That's not high on my list of priorities to do. I do it sometimes, but I can't do it with the frequency that I might like or that I once did. So I'm getting a bit off track here, but... Suffice to say that this is a fantastic episode, because Adam and I, it turns out, have a lot in common. I hope you listen to this week's first job, where Adam told me about his gig as a singing waiter. That's exclusive to Facebook. It's also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and the John of All Trades homepage, but I only promote it on Facebook. And I bring that up because, it turned out, Adam was a picky eater growing up. So was I. Adam loves baseball. So do I. Adam watched a lot of pro wrestling growing up. So did I. So we really hit it off in this week's episode. And one of the most important things is that we have both built our businesses from the ground up. This is a story about how you build a company from nothing. Adam tells me he started this company on a $5,000 credit card. Just him and his co-founder at a night of pub trivia going, you know what? I think we could do this and we could do this better. So let's create our own brand of this and let's make it happen. He's grown from there to locations all across the country, ever growing. He's got 13 full-time employees and like 200 entertainers hosting quizzes all across the country. It's a fantastic story. I mean, what a cool entrepreneurial success story. It's yet another in a terrific string of episodes that I've been bringing to you lately, and it's the reason that I do this show. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope if you live in a place that has Last Call Trivia, you go and check it out. It's lastcalltrivia.com. Adam gives you the plugs at the end of this week's episode, and you can find it on the companion blog piece that runs on this episode, johnofalltrades.us. It's also available in the show notes if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcatcher where this show is available. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcatcher you're using. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. First jobs debut on Monday. Those are typically about five minutes in length. Full episodes drop on Wednesdays. So thank you for listening, and let's get to this week's episode. I've got Adam Johnston, the CEO of Last Call Trivia. This is episode 220, and it starts right now. Cincinnati area, so northern Kentucky. Our office is in Newport, which most people don't know if you haven't been there, but the Ohio River separates Ohio and Kentucky. Okay. And so I live on 7th Street. In Newport, which the river's at third, so I can practically throw a baseball to downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, it was really one of the most, or best kept secrets, I think. 
Yeah, well, I, I imagine it's got to be cheaper living in Kentucky compared to Ohio. Oh, it's so cheap. <laughs> ridiculous. It's right? ridiculous. Yeah, I think my house costs about a third of what uh, the going rate is out here in Denver. All right. Well, that's... But it's awesome out here, though. I mean, we could totally see ourselves living out here one day. Yeah, well, cost of living here, my God. Like, it's it's insane. And, I mean, people come here and they're like, yeah, this is great. I should stay here. In the traffic. And then they, you're right, they never leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually a native, so I've seen the people come and go. Okay. Quite, want, not so much go, but more come. Are you one of those turds with a local sticker on your car? Hell no. Oh, okay. No. The, oh, God. I, I, I'd like to downsize those people's face with a shovel. <laughs> because it's like, how uncool can you be, right? right. It, like, have a native sticker. It's like, what are you proving? Like, yeah. that you never left? That's Why is that cool? Oh, the mountains are calling. It's part of my, <laughs> it's my spirit animal. Yeah. That, the, the only bumper sticker I'd probably like less is one that says, it's a Jeep thing you wouldn't understand. Oh, my God. They're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you're right. I don't get it. I think you're kind of a D-bag <laughs> for this. And I just don't relate to that. But uh, this is Adam Johnston. He is the CEO, the founder. What's your Co-founder. title? Yeah, CEO. Okay. Of Last Call Trivia. And you guys reached out to me um, because you're kind of uh, expanding your presence a little bit, right? All across the country. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so tell me a little bit about what is Last Call Trivia and where can someone find it? Okay, last call trivia. Uh, we do trivia nights in bars and restaurants all over the country. We started in the Cincinnati area, and we basically grew our original growth model was to move around and set up branches in major metropolitan areas. So we had these formulas for what markets we wanted to get into. So blah, blah, fast forward. We're in Portland, Oregon, really big, and Cleveland, like um, Ohio, Louisville, Pittsburgh, or sorry, Columbus, Louisville, Pittsburgh, and we were in Indy for a little bit. Um, so, and then Cincinnati area, obviously. So the whole sure. Midwestern area is our bread and butter, but we're working on expanding um, outside of those markets, obviously. You looking to come here? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, we had a branch here at one time. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, unfortunately, I hope this guy doesn't listen to the podcast, but uh, we left it in hands. I was the one that was here. And we got it up, I think, to like about 20 locations, and that was just in a few months. Mm-hmm. This was a long time ago. But when we were here, Geeks was already really big Yeah, because they're out of here, right? And then there were some other competitors who were not the pub quiz style, but more of our style, like the American trivia night, live trivia. So we already had a lot of competition here, and we left it in the hands of someone who didn't really do a great job, and then we were away, and we couldn't find someone to run it. And then, um, honestly, we really pulled out uh, strategically because we saw the competition, and we didn't want to put all our eggs in that basket because we were working on other things at the time. Sure. Uh, You mentioned Geeks. Uh, A few years ago, I actually did a whole month of shows leading up to Geek Bowl because I, I knew them. I played Geeks. Um, and you know, I don't want to give them a ton of airtime. This is your show, (laughs) but, um, I mean, you mentioned they were really big here and I know they're expanding across the country. How are you different from something like that? Because anyone who listens to this show is probably going to be fairly familiar with the geeks format. Oh, of course. Well, we're on their home turf, so I get it. You can (laughs) can say what you want about them. And I've met John. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's fun. John was on this show. So, uh, he was one of them. I had, uh, I had like a, a team, a quiz master, the guy, uh, like their head writer. And then I had uh, Dicker. So we need to poach him, I guess, the head writer. <laughs> well, I mean, he's the Jeopardy super champ. Won it, oh, wow. Uh, That's six cool. times, yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah, we got to talk about Jeopardy, too. But Okay. Yeah, yeah so the Geeks model is pub quiz, right? Yeah. So that that's how it kind of originated over in the uh, United Kingdom back in the 70s. And it came over to the United States, I think, sometime in the 80s. And it kind of morphed into the the more of the live trivia format, which is question, answer, question, answer, as opposed to... 10 questions at a time in a round, mm-hmm. right? So geeks really 
took the helm and, and ran with that across the country. And they do a really good job with their creativity. I mean, we, we really admire them for what they've done. That's not the type of trivia we like to do because what we push is more of a social okay. night. So you come out and it's your standing weekly appointment of fun with your friends, you know, your time to talk to people and, and, and see how the week's going and, you know, what's going on in your life. So that's what people really love about ours. And also just that being able to talk between questions, we find yeah. that is really important to be able to cultivate those relationships. So there's nothing wrong with the pub quiz format. We just like the other one better, you know? So, but the, another difference is the way the questions are presented because what geeks does a really good job of is the rounds are themed, mm -hmm. right? So they're super creative and they, they, they go around those. We're not usually able to do that. We were able to do that with some other products we have. We actually had a pub quiz style product at, at one point, but nice. it was more like a creative trivia. So trivia equations, like hmm. um, the number of Yankees world series titles times the, you know, number of planets minus, you know, the right, number right, of whatever. Right. right. And you had to come up with a number. It was fun stuff like that. Sure. It was our take on it. And we ended up pivoting away from that so we could focus on, on better stuff. But that's one of the differences because we have a specific voice for the trivia questions we write, but it's one at a time. Okay. How about an example? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. What alliterative name can refer to a line of golf clubs from Callaway, a heavy mortar like howitzer built and used by Germany during world war one, and a cow that broke two Guinness World Records for being both the oldest and having the most offspring. I got it. Big Bertha. Nailed it. Yeah? Right. Outstanding. So, right. Good job. You are good at trivia. Yeah, you, didn't, well, you didn't lie to me. <laughs> no. No, this is no joke. Well, I heard about your Geek Bowl uh, job, so way yeah. to go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the thing about that question is that it's multi-layered, so you don't have to know what the capital of... Right. Of, Uganda is right. It's like, I know this part, someone else on the team knows the other part and you can, you can all come together. Yeah, pool. You can kind of reason out the answer a little bit, which exactly. is really the key to Trial writing. Good, yeah. Good trivia questions. Like, you know, so I remember writing this about, uh, about a question at geek bowl. It was a question about like UFC or something. The, the question was, you know, UFC was a staple on, on this network that also shares its name with the first name of a famous director of Malcolm X or something like that. Right. Oh, cool. So yeah, you go, all right, you know, some people will freeze up when they hear that question just because they can't unpack what like it's me. really getting. Oh, I'm horrible at it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. As the CEO, get out of here. Oh, no kidding. I'm horrible. <laughs> it's it's the biggest joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's too weird, and we got to get into that more. But, like, the, the answer is Spike TV, right? Because, like, you're actually, if, if you can, if you know TV networks, and you also know directors, and if you know who directed Malcolm X, the question is not about UFC at all. It's actually about a network, and you can reason out. You can sort of ferret it out and figure out that it's Spike TV. There you go. So, um, well, I don't watch TV, so I feel a little better about myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there you go. And a lot of cord cutters now. So if you asked about TV networks, I'd, that's way over everyone's head now. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I found that question interesting because you've got you, three different things. I didn't realize all three of those things were called Big Bertha. But when you said alliter alliterative name... Callaway Golf, I'm like, okay, I think I got right. this. And then you said cow, I'm like, I definitely got this. See, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And those are totally different categories with which you derive the answer to the question. Right. So how does uh, a night of quiz work for Last Call then? So like you ask that question and then what happens? So we'll ask a question and we'll play a song. Okay. So songs are generally at three and a half minutes. So that all the teams have that duration of that song to get their answers in. So they'll write it down on a little slip. 
So instead of, for instance, pub quiz, they write all the answers on one slip for a round and turn it in. And then yeah. it's a bunch of time where it's graded. Ours is, it goes back and forth. So there's a nicer flow to the show okay. because it's, it's question, answer, question, answer, question. Answer, and the person scoring the host is doing it while the n- next question is being thought about. Got it. Right? Okay. Um, and doesn't yours involve like wagering? It does. Okay. Yeah. So how does that work? Add some strategy to the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. It's kind of like, well, like Jeopardy and the fact that the point wagers go up in the second half. But we have three point wagers and three questions per round, right? Okay. So you have to use each point wager once. So if you use your, mm-hmm. you know, one point right off the bat, you have to use your three, okay, or something else. Later. So you could end up locked into having to use a three, exactly on, on like a, on a category that you might not be as familiar with. Yes, and so that's we a tell real you, risk. Yeah, we tell you the categories at the beginning of the round, so you write them down, so you know what's coming. Okay. So it's actually gotten us in a little bit of trouble in the past because if a category is it all like send you down a different path? Mm-hmm. Like if you think it's something different, misleading. Yeah, if, right. If, it, if a category is misleading, then it could cause a problem with people's wagering. Okay. Right. Do you have like cutesy poo names for the categories like Geeks does? Or, or <laughs> no. do you just kind of put them on the nose? Like this category is, I don't know, sports. Yeah, we, we do general categories. Okay. Yeah. Like, we are looking into doing that more though. We're actually looking into changing our game. Really? Bit. Yeah. What, what we're going through right now, a lot of uh, market research. We're asking the players and teams, asking our clients, asking the hosts, the hosts of our show, what do you like, what works, what doesn't, how about this, what if this, yeah. and we're getting a lot of feedback. So we actually have some test market stuff coming up. We're going to roll it out across the country when it's not in league time. So it's just playing. It doesn't necessarily matter for anything bigger. So you got yeah. league time too. We do. We have three <laughs> leagues per year. Okay. Yeah. So like. Geeks has Geek Bowl, which is one right, time sure. per year. I don't even know how you get into that. Do you have to you just earn a bid or you just sign up and pay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ours, you have to earn a bid to get to it. So we have a winter, mm-hmm. summer, and fall league. And within those leagues, they're, sometimes they're 10 weeks, sometimes they're 12 weeks. We've changed it over the years to try things. But over that time, we calculate your scores. And then average, top average scores get invited to semifinals, finals. And then those winners... Uh, I'll get bids for a national championship. Wow. Which okay. is in April every year. So you're trying to reward people for playing more. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is that we found it, it's rewarding the top, the, the pinnacle part of our, of our network. Right. You know, which is only about, it's less than 20% of the people who show up at our shows. Mm. So we were catering towards the, de- not the mass demographic. Yeah. You're, you're catering to your super fans. Yeah. Exactly. Which I mean, is, is probably correct. Right. In terms of like, those are the people who are there most. They should get reap some benefit from that. Oh, right? sure. Oh, and it gets competitive. Yeah, oh, I'm sure yeah. it does. And some of them do go to Geek Bowl. Well, I mean, yeah. And I'm sure there's like, there's folks who go to Quizzo Bowl out in Philly. Oh, yeah. All over. Yeah. Johnny Goodtimes can suck it because he's always, <laughs> <laughs> he's always talking smack about my town. But, uh, yeah. Is that the Philly guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard about him. Yeah. He's exhausting. Ultimately, it's all harmless and, and good fun, and I think he and Dick are cool. But sometimes it's like, dude, just shut up, like for a bit. <laughs> um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna be sort of a pub quiz host or you know doing uh, last call trivia, you want to have some personality, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so if you're looking for your ideal kind of host, what qualities are you looking for? Charismatic, ultimately, yeah. because there's there's different types of hosts. There's the funny ones. There's the you know the trivia nerds mm-hmm. and then there's you know everyone in between some people just want to be entertainers they love being <laughs> on a mic and just love to hear themselves talk well as long as you do a good job hosting there's no problem <laughs> with that usually right yeah you got to check the box though right yeah, you yeah. got you got to do the thing uh, for which you were hired yeah but really i would say like charismatic for sure but going further it's it's a host that cares 
about the people who come regularly to that to that show. Right. And it's also one of the best, the biggest rewards for hosting that we've heard. People yeah. just, I mean, they become your friends and family almost because you see them how often? Yeah, you know, no every sure. week you see them more often than you see mo- most of your friends and family. For sure, yeah. Uh, we, we got close with uh, our quiz master. Um, and so we'd go to his quiz every week and then we figured out he was doing quizzes like different nights in different parts of the city. We started going to those too. Yeah. Well, that's so, how it works. Yeah. I totally you get find it, one man. you like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, it's funny cause you'll get that great host. will obviously need a, t- a day off here or there. Sure. Right. And then we have a sub coming in and the sub could be the best sub that we have. And people are still going to be like, rah, rah, I don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> they, care. I don't care for the way he read the scores. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, there's always something. Yeah. But you like who you like and you become friends with them. I get it. Yeah. No, that's true. So I, we have to come back to something. You said you were bad at quiz. Oh, I'm horrible at it. What? <laughs> then why start this company? Well, I love trivia. I'm just not any good. <laughs> I know. I feel like I know how to how to run a company. I got a you know business degree or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but so you love it, but you ain't any damn good at it. No, I'm horrible. No, we. God, that's it's funny. a running joke because I actually bring the the teams down that I'm on because what I like to do is I like to say someone will say like no one knows the answer for sure. Mm-hmm. So someone will say, well, I think it's this, and they're right because that's like always it's always the first thing you think, right? Almost always. generally, right? They'll say, I, I think it's this, and I say, okay, great. But what if this? Like, what about this? What about this? And I get other people thinking, and I talk them out of the right oh, answer. Gosh. And I don't mean to. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like my job is to just come up with funny team names and just like be there for the Broadway questions because that's the only category I'm good at. <laughs> it's horrible. You're a Broadway guy. Yeah, I like Broadway. Um, did you like? Did you perform growing up? Do you still perform? I did actually. Yeah, I did uh, regional theater for a while. Oh, nice. My, my minor was in musical theater from Georgetown. So wow, fantastic. Yeah. What uh, What are your favorite shows? Oh boy. Um, rent is what got me into it all. Okay. Rent is what it took two times to see it. They really got me there. Oh my God. There's so many, uh, right now I'm really in, um, uh, Hades town obviously mm. is really good. That's the newer one. Even mean girls on Broadway. It's, it's a good track. Yeah. 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 I saw uh, legally blonde when it came through Denver. Uh, that was really fun. I saw Avenue Q. I saw, um, yeah. I Classics, mean, yeah. yeah. Book of Mormon still haven't seen Hamilton though. Oh uh, man, I got to see that on Broadway. Wow, original I, cast. I hear that's transformative. Although it was, it was everything and more that you could imagine. Although we showed up, we bought tickets in advance, right? Because it was you had to buy way. Oh yeah, yeah. We got lucky, but we went on a Sunday, and I think it was Sunday matinee, and it was the only damn show of the week that Lin Manuel was not performing. Oh gosh, really? So we didn't get to see him. We saw the understudy. So wow. I mean, I was really bummed about that. And the actually, my my um, the co-founder, my business partner, was also with me. <laughs> It's a lot of fun, but we were bummed about that. Yeah, how was the understudy? He was great. Still great, right? He really right. was. And in a way, he, he might have actually been – it might have been a better experience because as much as I wanted to see Lin-Manuel, like someone who is, is watching the main uh, – the lead do it, night after night, they can improve upon it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's oh, why that's a lot of yeah. a lot of like the non like, – the original cast are just – you can't beat it because it's who makes the musical and the, the vibe, right? But going past that, they tend to be like when you see Wicked coming through town, right. all the Elphabas and Galindas, like they're all so much better because they get to improve <laughs> upon it. And they're these young little brats that grew up with it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, this quote comes up on this show all the time. It's if I've seen further, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Right. Yeah. Like when you see someone do great, you go, OK, that was fantastic. But there's this little nuance that they haven't exploited. You know, like there's the, just this little patch of real estate that I think I can blow out a little more. And, and the character takes on even a slightly deeper dimension. Absolutely. Though, which is so cool. So let me flip this. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are you cool with that? Of course. Okay. So speaking of standing on the shoulders of giants, um, I've listened to some of your podcasts and you are really good. Oh, thank I, you. I mean that genuinely. 
Um, so who would be some of your mentors in that field? So who did I look up to when I started this? Yeah. Who's uh, helped you get better as a podcaster? Uh, now, is that what they're called? Podcasters? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. uh, what we go by. First one, obviously, was Ira Glass with uh, This American Life. I mean, that that's the 800-pound gorilla. It's, right. I think it's still number one on iTunes. And if it's not that, it's Serial, which Cereal, also comes right. out of the same shop. Uh-huh. Um, the storytelling that he's able to get and, and the feelings and the way the story turns, uh, finding those moments and, and exploiting those uh, is incredible. The biggest spiritual predecessor to this show is WTF with Mark Marin, which I listened to his show and the conversations that he had and the interviews he had, I knew that's kind of what I wanted to do, but I wanted to reframe it exactly kind of what we were just talking about with a Broadway actor where those shows are all about Mark learning more about Mark, right? Okay. I don't necessarily need to learn more about myself. I always do when I do these, but the conversation tends to point inward a little bit more and it's the way mark relates to the world i wanted to put the spotlight on my guests and so how can i provide a forum for people whose voices and stories deserve to be told fundamentally this show is about building empathy because so much of what we do is defined by our work that if we can learn a little bit more about each other and we can make the world a little bit less scary then i think it's a worthwhile endeavor oh, i love that so I mean, it, I did. I did a whole faith bent for a while. I talked to a um, uh, a Methodist minister. This is going to sound like I'm setting up a joke. I'm not uh, a rabbi, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and a Muslim imam. So, like, and I I didn't know any Muslims. Like, I, or, I mean, a handful in my real life. Sure, but none real professionally. So I asked the rabbi. I'm like, hey, do you have do you have a an imam friend? He goes, yeah. So I just sat down and talked with them, learned more about the Muslim faith. And there's so much about that particular topic in particular. I just said particular twice. That was like an Austin Powers <laughs> moment. <laughs> you couldn't write trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> but uh, there's so much about that. I'm like, why don't just talk to a guy? Just find out about it and find out how he feels about like the Muslim travel ban and things like that. And just ask the questions. And if we can get there in sort of a quote-unquote safe space. I know that term is like really charged and polarized now. But if we can do that and we respect each other, then I think we're doing good work. So. Heck yeah. Well, that's what we need. We have to have open conversations. 100%. Move this country forward. Yeah. I couldn't. So that's what this show's about. Uh, those are probably the two big ones. You also take lessons from things you don't want to do. Um, like? Like uh, I really liked Adam Carolla at the start, but he turned his show kind of into a morning zoo. And... Adam's just grumpy all the time, and that's not me. Like I'm, I thought I was a grumpy guy. I thought I'd like to rant. I was really into Lewis Black for a time, <laughs> and that's not me. Like I, I just I don't have hot takes on everything. No, that's just how you decompress. Listen to them. Yeah, totally. Um, I forgot to ask you: Are you allergic to cats? Absolutely not. Okay, good. Hello, kitty. That's Finn. They, they come down. Like they hear me talking, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's right. Someone's home. I should go get some <laughs> attention." And Chris Hardwick was uh, always a little bit gushy in his interviews. I feel like he's interviewing people with his hand, like, you know, underneath his chin, just like gazing upon them. You know, I, I'm more into sort of having real conversations. And not to say that he doesn't. He does a phenomenal job. But the style's just a little bit different. Yeah, right? better back and forth. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of the same deal with you because it's like, you know, pub quiz is great. Like, pub quiz has its place, but that's not what we're about. And hearing you define why you are about what you're about, you know, it's getting friends together. You answer some questions, sure, and you have some fun, but it's more about catching up, listening to some tunes, and, you know, exercising your brain a little bit. Is that absolutely. fair? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 
and brain health something we're real big about. Oh, interesting. Okay, tell me more about that. We're working with Alzheimer's, you know, try to raise money and, and do what we can for them, but also just getting people out and, and keeping the brain healthy every, night after night, you know, to try to combat some of these, these horrible diseases we have. Yeah. So. Yeah, limiting some of that atrophy. And, I mean, quiz is great. I, I always, I mean, I love trivia nights. I don't care really what form it is. I'm sort of one of those junkies where I was always really into Jeopardy and, oddly enough, the weakest link. Even though, <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't so much care for you her. Are. <laughs> the weakest link. Goodbye. <clears throat> I didn't so much care for her personality, but there's a high volume of questions, you know? And yeah. so I, I kind of like them machine gunned at me like that. Yeah, we're very deliberative about deliberate, sorry, about the questions that we ask, you know? Yeah. And there's only so many. We don't repeat in a show a bunch. I mean, we may do two sports questions, which right. the sports people hate because they want more of it, but yeah. everyone else loves because <laughs> if you're not a sports person, you're not a sports person. Yeah, no, and that's fine. Like, don't be a Wayne sports Gretzky? person. <laughs> Is the answer Babe Ruth? <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, uh, uh, what's her face? Rosie Perez, when she goes on Jeopardy in uh, White Man Can't Jump. Okay. Um, the question is, like, it's a sports question, and it's like, this person is the all-time leading rebounder in NBA history. And Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes are like, uh, Wilt Distilled. And Rosie Perez chimes in, she goes, Babe Ruth. <laughs> and Wesley looks over at Woody and he goes, Babe Ruth? <laughs> He's like, well, she's not, she admittedly not good at sports, but she'll be fine. So, yeah, if you're not a sports person, you're never going to be. Not. Nope. But, okay, so this started as a side hustle for you, it right? Did. Yeah. Okay, what were you doing at the time that this was on the side of? So we were bartending in Charleston. Okay. My business partner and I now. Uh, we were trying to open a bar called the Blue Bottle Company. We were trying to, we were talking to investors and trying to do something where it was a low overhead or we could just get a space and have all kinds of, of great bottles, craft beers, because that's when the craft beer scene was still at its infancy. So how long ago was this? This was in 2006 or 2007. Yeah, no, that's about right. Right around then. Because I, I think back, I went to college at CSU in Fort Collins. And there were like four craft breweries in town. Yeah. It was no, uh, New Belgium, Odell's, Fort Collins Brewery. Oh, there was Cooper Smith's and then like CB and Potts. But that's it. Right. And now you go up and there. Bull and Bush. <laughs> well, that was in Denver. Like, so I'm talking about Fort Collins. Sure, sure. But in the um, area. Yeah. Uh, and then the Wincoop, of course. Uh, former Governor Hickenlooper opened that. And now you go up there and God, there's like probably 25 or 30 of them in Fort Collins alone. It's incredible. Yeah, it's wild. But thank goodness. Yeah. No. I mean, it's great. I love it. You're always finding something new. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so it was right at the start of the craft beer scene. Right, mm -hmm. so we're trying to open a bar. Yeah. And we're playing trivia at a local Applebee's, right? <laughs> right. And, and with our friends, and one day we just looked at each other, and we're like, we can do this. And we were from Cincinnati, and it wasn't big in Cincinnati at all. Okay. There might have been a couple shows. Right. So we went back, and we got started, and it boomed right away. And then we took that and used our growth model to move to other cities. Okay. So that was it. But we actually moved out to Phoenix first. We, so we met working for the Cincinnati Reds together. Oh, nice. Yeah, and we were bartending in like one of their clubs. And we're, we're there, and we had this idea, a business idea. All right? This wasn't my first job. It wasn't even my first business idea. Okay. But it was called Bar Swap. And the idea was that we would take bartenders who love to travel, like mm. even like like Swedish guys, right? Sure. You know, like that can come over to the States and just like the owner would have some sort of spot for them to, to stay, but then they would work. And you'd work on like a three-month contract or whatever, and then you can move on. So then wow. you take a cut off, you know, setting everything up. And that never did anything. But that was that. And But that got us kind of together business mind-wise. And then we moved to Phoenix to open a bar. Didn't like it out there. And <laughs> moved back east. And funny story, we both... We're deciding where to go. We wrote down separately on a piece of paper the top five cities we both want to move to, uh -huh. and both of our number ones were Charleston. That's how we got there. So yeah, 
And the rest is history. Wow. That? So you were working for the Reds? Yep. Yeah, what Just were you bartending. doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you a baseball guy? I am. Yeah, yeah I, I am it. too. Yeah, um, uh, your Rockies just took two or three of us, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Although we beat the crud out of you on the uh, Saturday night. Dude, they were slugfests this whole series yeah, too. we had like, 25 hits that night. It was wild. It's crazy. Yeah. How are the Reds this year? Are they good? Mediocre. Like we have like the Rockies. A, Rockies are like right at 500. Yeah, I mean we could make a run on it. We have the worst division in the league, I believe. Now the Central is all like medium to crappy. Yeah. Right so now. we we really could win that division. All we yeah. do, we just have to start you know, firing on all cylinders. And we have, I think, three division home stands or, or yeah, yeah. whatever coming up, and then and then the Rockies come to town okay. for us. So, so try for a little revenge. Right, right. We're gonna. <laughs> yeah, you had the altitude advantage on us now. Yeah. Well, we'll see. You guys play in a band box too. So, yeah, all right. I mean, you know, that's yeah, short short fences. That's right. So it should be another slugfest. Um, what's weird to me is that the Central is actually like the way it is this year because the Cubs and the Brewers were both great last year. Yeah, you would think, right? And the Cardinals just picked up what's his bucket, Paul Goldschmidt, in the offseason. And they're always good. I what hate the, the Cardinals so oh, much. I, like, almost as much I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to throw that one out there. <laughs> yeah, just put it out there. That's fine. That's how I feel about the Raiders and the Chiefs. But uh, no, like, I, I mean, my family's from Chicago. And so I grew up a Cub fan. Okay. Um, so I've always hated the Cardinals. Always kind of liked the Reds, oddly enough. Um, because when I was a kid, the Nasty Boys were, were oh, a yeah. big thing. Like, Absolutely. I mean, Rob Dibble, Randy Myers, and uh, I always forget the third one, Norm Charlton. And uh, God, like those guys were just so fun to watch. Barry Larkin. Who hates Barry Larkin? Yeah, you can't. Right? I mean, it's it's kind of like Ozzy Smith, too. Like, who hates Ozzy Smith? Ozzy had a temper, though, right? I think so. Um, I mean, if you were on his team and or you're a fan, then you're, you liked it, but totally. Maybe he had a temper more as a manager than anything else. Yeah. No, you're thinking of Ozzie Guillen. Oh, was he? The, oh, okay. he was the White Sox guy. Okay. Yeah. Ozzie Guillen can walk into a volcano for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but I mean, seriously, like, uh, Eric Davis, like, I remember a bunch of old Reds, Paul O'Neill, uh, Chris Sabo, mm-hmm. like Rex Pex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fun no, teams to watch, man. Oh, and they were the first professional baseball team, which is cool. There's just so mm. much history there. Yeah, they do a good job cultivating that history at the um, the um, Hall of Fame Museum. Right, Cincy is pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, Marge shot that had to. Oh uh, wow, that'd be rough. Shotzi, <laughs> old Shotzi. Oh boy, <laughs> um, she was a peach. Okay, so how long were you doing this until this no longer became a side hustle and this became your full time gig? How long did that take? Uh, it didn't take long. Really? really? Yeah, because, well, the thing is, we still kept bartending, but the full intent was to go f- full swing with this. So mm-hmm. uh, we just didn't have any money coming in right away. So we had to supplement of course. our jobs with, with that. So I actually uh, swept floors at a movie theater at one point. Wow. And I bartended. So um, I went in. We went in as soon as we can. I think the first year we made like $12,000 each. Or not the first year, like the second First full year. Yeah, yeah. But like the second year, that's all we made from the company, <laughs> you know, like it, what we paid ourselves. So, yeah, yeah. But we got lucky because we did some preview shows after we decided to break into Cincinnati and they went really well. We got a client, maybe two from that. The one client we did get, we still have, which is cool. Nice. But then we went out and approached a regional marketing director for Applebee's and we ended up getting a 10 venue contract right away. Nice. So the funny story about that is that we started this on a $5,000 credit card. We were broke. We had no money, right? <laughs> 
So we start this thing and then we have to start paying people and buying equipment and doing all this stuff to get these Applebee shows. Yeah. But then they don't cut the check for 30 days because net 30 account. So Ugh. I'm waiting by the mailbox every day in Charleston. The mailman knew who I was. He's yeah. like, sorry, man, not today. <laughs> you know, like a comic strip or something. Finally got the check. And when it came in, I ran to the bank and cashed it. So, wow. So we, we came from nothing, which was cool. Yeah, I, it's always hard getting started too because like people ask for product, right? Sure. And but you know, there's no money coming in, and so you're just you're sort of dangling for a little bit. Right. Well, at least if you have one show, you can you can develop proof of concept because then you can invite bar owners out and say, "Hey, come look at what I'm doing," and at least they can see that. But I think bar owners talk to each other a lot too. I think so. Or keep tabs on each other. Right. You know, if we're killing a Tuesday night down the street, it doesn't matter what we're doing. Yeah. You know, that bar, some other bar owner is going to be like, uh, hey, what's going on over there? Can you do that on Wednesday here? You sound like John Taffer. Who's that? <laughs> the guy who hosts uh, Bar Rescue. It's a show. You said you don't watch TV. Is that, so. the, is that the bigger guy? Yeah, he's kind I of. I saw him at a conven- at the um, bar and restaurant convention. I'm walking, walking down the aisle, and he's just sitting there leaning against the bar talking to someone. Yeah, like kind of uh, older guy, like balding a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But like big, like, looks, looks like, like he can handle Italian himself. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, like mafia guy. Yeah, and like a guy who takes no guff. Like, uh, and so he'll come in and yell at bar owners and stuff when their bars are dirty or okay. you know, whatever. And he gets them turned around. So they start making money again because so many people think they can just like open a bar. Right. I mean, everyone does. You're among them. And a lot of idiots do. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, that was just unfortunate timing and what we were saying to each other. I mean, everyone has like a concept for a bar in the back of their head. You know, like people love going to bars and I think they mistake the enjoyment that you get from attending a bar to the work that's actually involved with running the thing. Oh, sure. Because, I mean, running it, my parents owned a restaurant when I was a kid. It nearly killed them, you know, because it it's way more work than you think it's going to be. Yeah, it's always something. And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but we, we've spent the last few years de- designing a, a- a do-it-yourself platform for mm. barners because when we're thinking about scaling, how do we get into every bar in America, right? We don't have feet on the ground in every bar in America, uh, every town in America, right? So right. we developed a, an online platform that allows bars to do it themselves. So they have all the training, all the materials, access to all of our questions, and they can um, use our show builder to, to create the shows that are best for their nice. demographic at their bar, right? That's kind of the future of what we're doing. But the thing is, we, we're talking to bar owners and we're, we're like, Hey, we've got this great product for you. It's a fraction of the cost. You're going to pay for someone else to come in and do it. But the bar owners just said, you know, we have so much to do. It is yeah. always something. And you think like, Hey, all you have to do is find that one person. You already have them on your staff, probably someone who can just read questions and we'll train them to do it. Right. But they said, that is just one more thing. I got to, I got to find someone to, to clean the dishes and then I've got problems yeah. coming in here. And then there's a, a guest complaint and food gets sent back and I got to go talk to someone. And it's just one more thing. So we're working on now breaking down that wall, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get to them and saying, hey, look, it's so easy. Yeah. And, and you can make a better show because the thing with us and the thing with geeks, like it, there isn't a one show fits all. Right. Like, we all do our best to do that, but we can't do individual shows for every client in America. It just doesn't work. And no. geeks is huge now. So like they like they certainly can't do it. Yeah. So this is the opportunity for bars to to get the show that's better than the bar down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to lose some by not being in our network of leagues and things like that, but it really is just a better overall experience. If you can make, you know, uh, John's bar and grill show on Tuesday night, it's own show as opposed yeah. to, you know, John's bar and grill is part of our, our network. Now, of course we want you to be a part of our network, but right. We also want to grow and we want to get into the random towns between the major metropolitan areas. You know, 
where normally they go unserviced. That's not fair to them. Yeah. I mean, our goal is to get great trivia in every bar in America. You know, whether it's us or whether it's someone else, because we realize that it's not a zero sum game. Right. It's not we win when you lose. It's let's raise the overall the average level of trivia nights in America. Let's make this as good as as popular as it is in the United Kingdom. Why not? We deserve it. We deserve a better class of criminals, right? You uh you sound like you're running for office. That was fantastic. <laughs> Vote for me, twenty fifty. <laughs> 2050. Yeah, I think you'll be as old as some of the people uh, who are currently running. Oh, yeah, but uh, hopefully I'll be on a beach somewhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sipping yeah. cocktails. And, yeah, you can just uh, be my neighbor. Yeah, not taking heavy fire no. from uh, the media every single day. Oh, heck no, I would never get into politics. I mean, I had that, that thought as when I was younger that I, I care about this country. Like, I want to make a difference and do things mm -hmm. like that. But after seeing what our culture's turned into... Our political spectrum, no way. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, there are other ways to make a difference, and so I right. think I'll focus on those. Yeah. I'd rather make people happy by having something to do during the week, you know, right. if they like to play trivia. Yeah, absolutely. And let me put a plug out there for all trivia companies. Like, if you think you don't aren't any good at trivia, then you're missing the point because it's fun. Even if you go out and get spanked like I do, <laughs> it's still fun. You yeah. go out and you have fun with your friends and you learn something. A lot of times, like, a, a good trivia question will key a memory. You know, or oh, like sure. a song that's played. And then you all start talking about that. I remember we were playing Geeks one night and uh, our quiz master just between rounds played uh, Molly by the band Sponge that was big like in the 90s. I had heard that song in probably at that point 15 years, right? They played it. And then when the chorus happened and he, and it's 16 candles down the drain, like that song, I go, whoa, okay. And that was like a pure time machine kind of thing. Okay. And that might, I, that might have even been an answer. I can't even remember now. But the point is, like, I have that memory. It's indelible and it happened at quiz, you know, like quiz is where you make memories. Just, Absolutely. Yeah, um, we've, we've had marriages and <laughs> kids that, you know, have been born because of yeah. people met at trivia. We've helped a, a woman uh, with MS who her doctor, she was showing uh, major signs of improvement and her doctor said that it was attributed to playing trivia every week. And that's wow. really cool when you see trivia yeah. doing something like that. God, that's amazing. Um, so how does it work for you guys? Like, how do you eventually get paid? Is it, um, I, I think I know the answer to this, but, and you don't have to give me specifics, but like a bar pays a fee to you, right? Sure. And okay. So actually just break down for me how it works. I don't want to answer for A you. bar pays a fee to us. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> you nailed it the first time. No, we go in and we solicit and we tell them about our network and everything we're going to do for them. We're going to we're going to take your Tuesday night or whatever your slowest night is that that you don't have anyone in here and we're going to make it like a Saturday night where you're making thousands of dollars. You know, that's our mm -hmm. pitch basically. So uh we'll go in and um do just that over over the course of, you know, it 6 weeks or so, 8 weeks. It takes a while to build a show. Sure. Hopefully less, usually less, but sometimes it takes a while. So you you're going in and you're saying this is a partnership. You know, we need you to do some some work on this. We you got to promote your, it. You, yeah, we need your servers to and your bartenders to tell the people who are in your bar we're starting trivia night in a few weeks. You know, so they pay us, and then we we hire local entertainers, great charismatic people in uh, the areas where we're at, and they go in and um, host those shows. Wow, simple as that. It's really simple. <laughs> it is, and with the you, you mentioned side hustling earlier, we're really working with a lot of side hustles around the country because. It's a great side hustling gig. That's that's what's so popular right now. It's trending, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone's got their little hustle, right? But if we can give you the tools and you can go in your 
a remote area or wherever it is. You can even compete with the big guys. You can sure. compete with us. You go out and you create, you know, the, the demographic at the bar and you make the show that's tailored towards them and you go in and you charge what you're worth because you're, you're packing that house. Mm-hmm. It is a great gig. If you think about it, let's say you charge 200 bucks a night and you host one show a week and a month, 800 bucks. Okay. My, minus whatever you have to pay for right? mm-hmm. yeah. printing. And you know, if you use our service, our, our small fees and that's a car payment. Yeah. If you host two, that's an average mortgage payment. Right. Two shows a week where you're hanging out in a bar for two hours with people who become your friends and family. Not bad. It is ridiculously easy. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's your number. That's 200. That's what people should be getting for it. Okay. Now, what we do is we'll do multi-venue discounts where if, if John's Bar and Grill has an east side bar and also a west side bar, right. you know, we'll, we'll give you a, a discount for it. Or if you do um, a show on Tuesday and a show on Saturday, we'll, we'll give you a discount for that. Gotcha. But, it's also very competitive for us. We're trying – our goals are different from the average person who would go out and just do one or two or three oh, sure, shows yeah. a week. You know, Yeah, you want to do this uh, hundreds of times a week, yeah. essentially. And it's really because you can give better service if you are, if you are the, the one who knows that bar and you're making a show directly for that bar. Right. You can, you can demand more money because probably it's going to be a more successful show. One of the things that seems like it's challenging if you're running like a, a quiz company like this – is quality control on the questions, right? Because, yeah, you, you've got a certain aesthetic. You've got a certain sort of voice that you do uh, with your questions. You want to try really hard not to repeat them. So what's the process like? How many folks do you have writing for you um, for generating questions? And, and what would you say your overall voice is? Ooh, those are great questions. Okay. Uh, we have a handful of people from around the world who contribute to our writing, our writing team. The problem is that we've been writing for 12 years, right? So we've written about a lot of stuff. So when people who are newer writers, they have to research and go through our questions to make sure that we haven't written about it before. And if we have, that doesn't mean we can't use it. There's another way to spin that question. Yeah. There's another like entry point. Absolutely. Into that subject matter. Or a combination. Like I gave that example before, you know, multi-layering questions. So you can use that. You know, we don't really recycle a ton. It, you know, it happens every once in a while for the great questions, but we never use them exactly. We'll, we'll definitely change them, uh, improve them. So it's tough because you want to make sure that the questions are accurate mm-hmm. and unambiguous. They have to be right. clear. You, the, the people listening to it have to know what you're actually asking them because that can, that can cause frustration when someone puts an answer in and they're pretty sure, but they just misheard the question. Right. So we're very careful. And one thing we've started doing recently is we've started our writing team actually reads the questions to the other writers if they haven't seen them. Because what we realized is that reading them on paper is a different way to take to absorb a question versus hearing it. Yeah. And the people in the shows hear it most often instead of seeing it. So that has really helped us with that. Uh, we have multiple levels of, of cross-checking. We check for accuracy. We check for um, grammar. You sure. know, and then the un- unambiguous questions part. So we get through. But the problem was occasionally something would still seep through. We're all human, right? Yeah, yeah Even of course. No matter how many checks and balances we put in, it still comes through. But because we feel like it shouldn't, what I did is I um, a big board. When you walk into our corporate office um, in the Cincinnati area, right when you walk in the door, there's a huge board that says, it's like the construction site, number of days since last mistake, number, <laughs> number of mistakes this year. So it's a pain. Every time our writing team walks in the door, it's like a knife. Yeah. You know, they, they feel it and it hurts. And I'm not sure it's helped at all. It's done anything, but it's just something to keep us on our toes. Yeah. And you talked about the voice of our question. Our voice is very important for us because 
we're not just a trivial pursuit yeah. company. You know, we're not just going to take the standard question and ask about it. We're going to try to give clues in the question without being blatant about the clues. Right. Now, we don't do music clues like the songs that are played. What we want our hosts to do is play songs that are related to the question but not give any sort of sure. clue that way. It's not fair for them to make the judgment call on that, right? And it's not fair across all, all the venues because no one can hear that, the same song. Right, right. Right. So, so the voice is very important for us. We, we take a lot of pride in doing that. How would you describe the tone of your voice? Because, I mean, I know sort of the style that Quizzo Bowl does. You know, Johnny Goodtimes, he has his own voice. Geek certainly has its own voice. And you could assign, I don't know, traits to them. But how would you describe yours? Like, for anyone who's never played Last Call, what would you tell them to expect tone-wise? I'd say trivia for all. Okay. That's very generic. But really, that's what we try to do because we don't want to exclude anyone. That, that 20% of the diehard players that we talked about, you know, we don't want to cater to them. Because they're going to be there anyway, and that doesn't mean that they're not valuable. Like they're incredibly valuable to us, and they will. And we always do special things for them. We have to pivot in a way and keep in mind the casual player, because that's really what's going to make us successful in the long run. Sure. You know. So trivia for all. So it's like the layered questions when anyone can contribute on a team. That's what we want. We want it to yeah. be a social night where people come out. And like I said, if you get spanked, you still have fun. Yeah, I mean that that really is important. And if if you're not a good trivia player, you still want to feel like you're contributing a little bit. Um, you know, you want to be involved. And so I think that's a, that's a really important philosophy. And I think you're right. It reminds me of my professional wrestling fandom. I thought you were going to say professional wrestling career. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. But it's like I am, I am right in the top tier of fans. Like I have a subscription to the network. I've been a fan forever. Okay. Best uh, WWF wrestler. I, uh, Bret Hart. Wow. Um, the Hitman. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I just watched the documentary on him and Tom McGee, though. And so he took Tom McGee, who had three moves, and turned it into like a three-and-a-half-star match um, in his tryout to the point where Vince McMahon walked by seeing this match, and he goes, that's my future world champion. No kidding. Referring to Tom McGee, not Bret Hart. Tom McGee washed out, did nothing. And he was looking at his future world champion. He was just looking at the wrong guy. Oh, that's funny. Because Bret's a genius. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the joke about Bret, guys like Bret and Flair and Shawn Michaels is they could have a three-star match with a broomstick. Right. Like, Oh, yeah. I met Ric Flair one time. Wow. What's I was he a like? kid. Okay. My parents love to tell this story. I was uh, in San Antonio flying to Cincinnati. I'm a kid. We're getting ready to board on the plane. This was when you could everyone could come into the airport and like say goodbye oh, yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? Way back when. Yeah. So we're standing there at the gate waiting for the, the plane to come off. And they had, I guess they had a some sort of event in San Antonio area. Mm -hmm. And first off, the warlord walks off. Oh, geez. And you could see my eyes. My parents tell me, I'm like, I'd like just bug eyed. <laughs> I'm just staring at this huge dude. And then Ric Flair walks off and I got both their autographs. Wow. Yeah. I think I have it somewhere still, but. Okay, this had to that be, was a moment. Uh, if I could guess here, this had to be between 91 and 93. Oh, God, I had no idea. Yeah. No idea, probably, though. Because if... Because Warlord wasn't popular much longer than Well, that. no, if it was Flair and the Warlord, they were in WWF at the same time. And so, like I said, man... You I, know. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm right there. And I got a mind for trivia. Like, all, all this crap just takes up so much space in my brain. Sure. Um, important stuff, I, it's... <laughs> right. Not always there. So do you think a, a wrestling theme show would be good... That's something we struggle with, finding what theme shows people love, because we'll get people writing in saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and we do it, and it's not very popular. No. Well attended. Um, I would say no, because threading the needle on the correct difficulty of questions, I don't think you can do it. Because if, if you're a fan, like, I'm trying to think who would be the ideal audience for that. You'd either have to write a super hard quiz, right? Sure. For, oh, yeah. for folks like me. You're right. You either know a ton or you don't know anything. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
there was a show on Comedy Central called Beat the Geeks for a while. Okay. And basically you had like a music geek, a TV geek, and a, uh, a film geek. And then they brought in a specialty geek. Like I always wanted to be like the wrestling geek. You okay. know? Like I could come in and do that. But there would be like a James Bond geek, right? Or like a Star Wars geek. And I was trying to think like if you did this for wrestling, like what does your average person know? They know like Hulk Hogan and The Rock and like Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin maybe. Yeah. Maybe they know who The Undertaker is, right? I can't believe he's still walking. Uh, How yeah. are those joints? Dude, he just fought yet yeah, last night. Like we're <laughs> recording incredible. this on a Monday. He was on pay-per-view last night. Oh boy. Um yeah, he and he looks old, man. Like it's it's rough. Um he looked literally like The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like The Undertaken. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh yeah, I don't think you can thread the needle difficulty-wise on that one. Like uh I saw I agree. you guys have like a Seinfeld one coming up, right? Uh yeah. Like, I, I think that's a, a theme you have coming up. Seinfeld's perfect, because Seinfeld's almost ubiquitous at this point. Sure. Right? Everyone has some experience with Seinfeld. Like, Actually, I don't. I've never seen an episode. That's wild to me. I, I, no one can believe it. Yeah. Every time I tell them. I just didn't grow up with it. I wasn't allowed to watch that. Okay. I, like, snuck married with the children in oh, when geez, I could, yeah. but I wasn't allowed to watch that. Or The Simpsons. Mm. I know. I'm sheltered. Dude, that's, that's tough, because... But I could like, watch wrestling. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, Dad. Uh, because pop culture currency or like conversational currency is almost always rooted in pop culture. Oh, sure. You know, like just having sort of a familiarity and a handle with things from when we were growing up or things now, you know, just having some utility and, uh, and fine touch with pop culture goes a long way in terms of conversations with people you don't know that well. Yeah. So, I know who Kramer is. Yeah. I know who Seinfeld is. There you go. So you're like your average wrestling fan. I'm like two fifths of the way there. <laughs> well, Sure. Right. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, to, you're you're halfway. There, okay. there were four main cast members. Oh, well, let's see. It shows you what uh, I know. Yeah. No. Exactly. Take a shot at the other two. You have Kramer uh, and Jerry. Hold on. I do. I I know the name of the the other guy. Can you give me a hint? <laughs> Same first name as uh, a multitude of presidents. Ulysses. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, George. George. Costanza. There you go. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the woman is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Elaine. Elaine. Okay. Yeah. Does she have a last name? Yeah. Bennis. Okay. Yeah. So uh, does she have a last name? No, it's just Elaine. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> She's like Cher or Madonna. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Moses. That's... Bono. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's, uh, it's totally. pretty close, though. Elaine Bono. Um, Elaine Bennis. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so anyway, I was going to say, like, as a super fan, I think WWE should write their shows exclusively for me, but I know that ultimately that's a business model that's not going to succeed for them because they want to bring in people who aren't already going to be there uh -huh. and won't continue to be there in the face of just no matter how terrible the product can be and how frustrating as a super fan. Although I'm not writing letters like the Game of Thrones weirdos demanding that they redo the last season. Oh, well, with all the Starbucks cups in it, they should redo it. <laughs> well, maybe that. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the narrative arc, like, no, no, go rewrite it sure. to my liking. They're so, going to do how many uh, series? Oh, they're going to, yeah, they're going to do spinoffs. They're going to do a spinoff. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, there you go. In terms of, we got to wrap this up here pretty soon, but um, in terms of running this company... Uh, how long you been at it now? 12 years. 12 years. You still like it? Love it. 
Oh, it's a new challenge every day, which is the blessing and the curse. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, I know that as an entrepreneur. The, the problem, the, the most challenging thing for me would be we deal with so many people. People are wonderful, but people can suck at times, you know? Yeah. And there's just so many people because we have 200 plus contract workers, like like entertainers all over the country. And then we have our, our great staff. My staff is phenomenal. How big I, is your staff? We're at 13, including 13 full-time, including the other owner and myself. And then we have the, a handful of part-time people. God, that's awesome. So it's really great. It's just, there's so many variables that you have to, you know, consider. And yeah. And people are the variable. Uh, you, everyone's got sort of, uh, something that they're dealing with at all times. And when you have that many, that many voices, including your customers who I'm sure are, are bitching about all sorts of nonsense. Oh yeah. When, when we bring in 20 teams to a venue regularly mm -hmm. and they drop us, Oh, that just hits right in the gut. Yeah. I mean, what do you do to that? We're bringing in a hunt over a hundred people regularly on a Tuesday night, and that's not good enough for you. Why are people dropping you? I don't know. You just okay? Could be a manager. Could be. Yeah, I think maybe they have un unrealistic expectations. Ah, gotcha. You know, maybe their venue is huge, mm -hmm. and they want fifty teams. You know, and we can do our best, but you know, like we have. There's a Rheingeist Brewery. If you like beer in yeah, Cincinnati, yeah. Rheingeist is great. And they have this huge, beautiful warehouse where we do we do shows and a lot of our theme shows. They have a great um, regular crowd, but the theme nights they get over a hundred teams, Jeez. and they can handle that, which yeah. is really cool. So that's huge, man. Uh, if you were to go back and talk to you from twelve years ago, uh, now that you've been at this for this long, is there any advice you would give yourself? And while you think about that, who do people tell you you look like? When I was younger, it was a kid off the Mad Comic Books. Oh, really? And uh, then I, Alfred E. Newman, I never would have. No. Oh, you show off. No. Well, <laughs> it's unintentional, but very pronounced. Yeah. No, when Macklemore's uh, thrift shop came out, yeah. I, I would get stopped in the street because I had a haircut similar to his as well. So Yeah. No, I, I was going to say it's got to be Macklemore. I was going to say the other one uh, is potentially Troy Aikman. Oh, wow. Okay. You ever get that one? No, but I'll take that as a okay. compliment. The way, the way when you looked to the right as you were thinking about that question, I'm like, yeah, he's got some Troy Aikman in there too. Oh, okay. Wow, I used to be a Cowboys fan, so I grew <laughs> up in San Antonio. There you go. All right. If I could tell myself something 12 years ago, I would have said to make decisions faster. Mm. I think one of the pitfalls I've had is I th overthink things, and I didn't really – I didn't even know the 80-20 rule when, when I started, and I ah. wish I would have. You know, you got to get it 80% get done and get it out there and let let the world tell you what's right and what's wrong with it. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in that regard, so I have held back on things. I want to wait till things are right. Sounds like a little paralysis by analysis, which I think is entirely possible. You ever hear that? No. Paralysis by analysis? Overthinking. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, I used to have that problem too, but uh, there's there's a quote from the movie The Edge that I really like. That's uh, what's that about? Uh, it's Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins versus a bear, essentially. Oh, it's badass! I like love a wilderness that. movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's written by uh, David Mamet. So, like, there's a lot of really like punchy, like awesome sort of masculine dialogue. Show off again. Anyway. You've already emasculated me with your trivia <laughs> knowledge, so you don't need to. <laughs> I'm not doing it to show off. This is just who I no, am. No, it's impressive. It really is. Uh, but you would never want me on your team. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, bring it to Denver and we'll find out. Yeah. But uh, one of the lines in it is, uh, a good plan today is better than the perfect plan tomorrow. Yeah. And that's sort of one of the maxims that I, that, that always just stuck in my brain. And I kind of live by that. Like, just get it out there today. Get it going. Yep. Yeah. And then you'll figure it out as you go along. Yeah. So, all right. Adam Johnston, 
This was an enormous pleasure. This is where we do plugs. So where can people find you? Last Call Trivia. Anything you want to plug, do it now. Oh, wow. Uh, LastCallTrivia.com is our website. We are building a network of, of trivia lovers all across the country. So check us out there. Uh, say hi on social media. We use social, social platforms as a playground for us to, to talk trivia and, and meet new people. Uh, Flex.LastCallTrivia.com is, is where side hustlers can come find us. If you're interested in starting your own trivia night, find us there. And if you're looking to host, hit us up and we will find a bar near you and get you going. Fantastic. All right. Well, Adam, this was a huge pleasure. I love talking trivia and uh, I love talking to entrepreneurs. You check both boxes. So uh, this was this was terrific, man. This and I fantastic. I wish you continued success. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Keep up the good work. That wraps up episode 220 of the John of All Trades podcast. Thanks to Adam Johnston, CEO of Last Call Trivia. It was a pleasure getting to connect with you and hear your story. I can't wait till we reconnect again. And I can't wait until I get to play your brand of trivia. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Training, content, engagement, and podcasting. Those are the four pillars of my business that will help your organization tell its story to the people who need to hear it most in a more robust way. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. This is a social media marketing and advertising firm that I am proud to work with. They've been with me since episode one. If you're doing anything online, whether that's social media marketing, whether that's advertising, whether that's a website, or whether you're trying to engage communities in the digital space, 4Degrees can help you do it better at a cost that's very attractive. They will get your message dialed in and get it in front of the people who need to hear it most. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is on social media. That's J-O-A-T pod on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and a billion other podcatchers. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Back here next week with a brand new episode. The content train rolls on, so I can't wait to hear you back here again. And until I do, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.